Welcome to A Little Juju Podcast. This is the podcast all about black ass spirituality, black spiritual traditions, honoring our ancestors, honoring ourselves, and decolonizing our spirituality and our spiritual practices on our journey, on our path to freedom. My name is Juju and I'm the host of this show. I come to you as a medium, spiritual reader, a hoodoo practitioner, an orisha, devotee, and all around lover of spirituality and religion. I'm very much looking forward to the show today because it's been a while since it's just been y'all and me and just me being able to talk about some things that I've been thinking about, thinking through, studying. So I finally just kind of have a a solo episode where I get to kind of let y'all in as to what's been going on over here. And then also, of course, talk spirituality and and tradition as I love to do. Um, I am just a little bit shook right now because I'm just learning right before I started recording that Kobe Bryant passed away, that he died today. And I'm like... I'm not much of a basketball fan. Well, I've never really been much of a basketball fan. But this is hitting me because he's an icon. Like, I I feel affected. And this is not someone that I particularly thought that I would feel affected by. But I also think that this is someone that you don't consider them dying. And you don't consider their death. And it's interesting how we have those folks, you know, specifically like celebrities. Because we all tend to know who they are. Um, but these people that you don't just don't associate with death, even though we know we all die. Um, so my brain is having a hard time con- time conceptualizing this as somebody who talks to dead folk, as somebody who is, you know, is not afraid of death and all that. I'm just like, Kobe Bryant? Kobe Bryant can't die. It's Kobe Bryant. Like, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Um, but anyway. Let's get into this show. Let's drop this intro and um, yeah, let's just get into it. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. A little juju. A little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Can't firm no say. And I'll never get played. I'll take your photo to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my face to make them stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves. But I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I'm my ancestors, baby. So I give them everything that they gave me. Thank you all for tuning in. If you are back and you've listened to old episodes, hello, thanks for joining me. And if you are new, thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the show today. Um, I really am trying to get my bearings together, y'all. I've, I'm affected. Like, I am affected by learning that Kobe Bryant died. Like, I feel like I was his number one fan right now. And he passed away and I was not. So, oh, I think it's just, you know, when you're, you know, with someone that you grow up with, someone that you associate, you know, maybe with your childhood or just different experiences, passes, it just, it hit, you know, it hits different. It hits different. Um, So just kind of, I just wanted to be 
honest about that. Like I feel affected, but I got to record this show. So uh, if you would like to keep up with the conversation of a little juju podcast, you can hashtag ALJ pod on Twitter, on Instagram, let folks know that you're listening, or you can add a little juju podcast on Instagram, post about the show, let them know what you, what you're doing, what you're listening to. If you would like to bring me out to your school, if you would like me to be a part of some type of workshop or event that you're throwing, just hit me up on my website, itsjujube.com. It's jujube.com. You can hit me up and contact me there. Oh, I also want to say I'm not doing Dear Juju letters. So at one point, you know, when I was first just sort of starting out the podcast last year, I would get letters and I kind of opened up my email to do Dear Juju. So people would ask, you know, different spiritual questions. And sometimes I would do a show around the questions or most of the time I would just email people back directly with answers. And at this point, it is wonderful that there are so many people with questions, but it is overwhelming. It's my email, my DMs, my everything is just filled with questions. And a lot of those questions, um, have been answered on the podcast, but also are just a lot. And there, a lot of them are repeats too. So I'm trying to think of a way to, I think I need to do like a frequently asked question. I have a new website rolling out in March. So I think one of the tabs on there is just going to be some of these repeat questions that I get that are basic, like alter cleaning, alter build, you know, what if I feel like I don't hear my ancestors and things like that. So that, you know, I have more capacity and so that people don't have to type up these long things that everybody else typing up. So that's just something I'm working on, but I'm not doing Dear Juju anymore. So just FYI. Um, Okay, so let's get into the show. I think I said all my little church announcements. Um, So I have, I think, alluded to this at some point in different episodes that, you know, my family, it was like half of them knew what I did. Half of them know my spiritual journey. Half of them even knew I had a podcast, not even half. Some of them knew I was conducting readings. Other ones just thought I was like doing counseling or something like that. Cause I went to school for psychology and I'm kind of doing counseling, but you know, anyway, Um, I came out of the closet, child. I came out of the spiritual closet specifically with my dad, um, who was the main person that I, and even just my dad's side, you know, the main people that I will say I had some, some fear around communicating what it is that I do and that I talk to spirits and that I call on spirits and that I'm not Christian and I don't go to church anymore and all of that. I was very nervous about communicating that because I've had different experiences. Having grown up Catholic and coming from a Catholic family, you know, there's, it it was pretty serious in my house, um, at least with my father. So my religious views and you know, as they've developed and changed and my gifts, I sort of kept to myself because I didn't really feel like I had the space to be able to communicate those things. Just because a lot of the things that I do now were considered, I won't even, I mean, yes, they were considered demonic, but it wasn't even a conversation with me that they would be considered demonic because it was never talked about. Like no one has an altar, nobody's talking to spirits. Nobody's, like that wasn't even a conversation, even though, Catholicism is like the Christian witches. 
don't tell them I said that. But Catholics are like Christian witches. They are witches. Um. So anyway, I came out. I told my dad over lunch. I told him everything. <laughs> I told him about the podcast. I told him that I talked to dead people. I told him that I talked to our ancestors. I told him that I do healing. Like I told him everything. And he was just like <sighs> mouth agape, but very, very supportive. Very supportive of my work. Very supportive of my healing. Apologized for the ways that he, you know, may have restricted my freedom in understanding myself as a spiritual person growing up. And I provided some receipts about certain things like, yeah, this is taking this long for me to tell you because these are, do you remember when you did this and said this and reacted like this? He didn't remember none of that. <laughs> he remembered nothing, but... All of that to say, I, I told him and I told my family, I told my aunts, I told my grandmother, and it was met with so much love. It was met with so much support. It was met with I'm, I'm so, apologies. And I feel really, really good about that. And I want to say that because I know and I get messages from people who feel like or can't right now tell their parents or their parents or family members or friends or whatever just won't understand and they feel like they have to hold this in. And you might, you might, but it might not be forever because I never, ever thought I was going to tell my dad about this. I did not. And me having communicated that with him, I automatically felt something heal or like a, a bond get stronger we're not super close but it, it 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 served as a catalyst for me to feel like I can be open um to family and I think that is a lot of what this work is about it's about healing it's about healing it's about our ancestors but it's about family too it's about family on this physical realm it's about being in community it's about finding our voice within our families and owning our truths. And I did that. And I, thankfully it was met with love. And I, but it's, that is not what I anticipated. That is not what I anticipated. So I just wanted to share that with y'all. It's just maybe a little inspiration. <laughs> um, Okay, so when you all hear this episode, I'm recording this on a Sunday. I know I've been talking about Kobe Bryant, but I just had to pause the show to because there was a bunch of noise outside. And so I just went on Twitter real quick to scroll until whatever they're doing outside stopped. And I'm just hearing more and more about this Kobe Bryant story and potentially, you know, his children being on the flight. And I don't know if that's true. We don't know any, you know, we don't know what's true right now, but that is also hitting me a lot. So this episode is just, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to say that also, that also just choked me up even more that his um, daughters might have been on a plane. But we'll know that for sure by the time y'all hear that. Anyway, 
in lighter news, um, so if this is your first time knowing who I am, uh, this podcast was nominated for Best Spirituality and Religion Podcast for the iHeartRadio Awards, and I went to Los Angeles last week to walk the red carpet and attend the iHeartRadio Awards award show. A Little Juju podcast did not take home the awards. It was another podcast, uh, an NPR podcast, that one called On Being, and um, congrats to On Being. As y'all know, it was never really about the awards for me. Also, shout out to Pinch of Gold, underscore Pinch of Gold, who sent me my own trophy. (laughs) I appreciate you. And um, I do want to talk about my LA experience, but I actually think that I need to do a YouTube video about it because if I was to talk about it on this platform, it would take up the whole show today. Um, I definitely felt very blessed and I had a good time and I got to look cute. I mean, and the pictures that I got on the red carpet, I'm so grateful that they look bomb. Like they look bomb. When I Google myself, it looks bomb. <laughs> but, oh, honey, it's just a lot. You know, that LA energy, and I ain't talking about black LA, I'm talking about Hollywood. That energy is just a lot for me to take in. I think also as a sensitive person, as a psychic person, being around that sort of like celebrity who's who who knows who vip type it it didn't sit well with me it was just a lot of that and i know that's like what la is for a lot of people because people go there to you know make dreams happen for themselves specifically around you know in entertainment and so entertainment entertainment we know is a whole energy and entity in itself that carries a lot of energy many of which is destructive (laughs) and very unhealthy and I just I just felt that I felt that being amplified when I was there and you know it was just little stuff I, I I need an a whole ass YouTube joint on it because It was so much getting in there, what was going on, the seating arrangement, (laughs) the show itself. I really won a Black Podcasting Awards. I think that would be amazing. Um, Where is that? There needs to be some type of award show that's lit. I'm going to have to tell y'all, but what I will say is that I enjoyed myself. I looked fine and that's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed the after party was a lot of free liquor and a lot of free food. And I met, actually did connect with some, with some great people. And so that was very important to me. And that was my takeaway from that event. But, um, I think sometimes we have a, cause we, what we see on TV, you see the shows, you see the, oh, I wish I was at these parties. Oh, I wish I was at this thing. And then you realize when you're actually in the space that like, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's regular. Like it's, it's not that popping, you know, it's not that these award shows aren't that fun. They're, <laughs> I ain't trying to sound ungrateful. I'm very grateful, but it's just like, I think this, this, the things that we idealize and then when you experience the things that you idealize, it actually just brings you back to, yeah, this is all right. <laughs> so I, I'm at some point going to just have a YouTube about it. But again, I want to say thank you though, because I got a lot of love, a lot of 
just good energy from y'all from on my social media just like oh my god you look so great you deserve this and I felt just so much care and love and just appreciation uh, from that experience so I, I I'm sending that good juju out to to those folks who, who was sending it to me and congratulating me so thank you thank you thank you and thank you to iHeart too for even for including me because like I always say this podcast is a year old and some change and I was up there with the big dogs honey NPR period <laughs> so appreciate y'all appreciate y'all so so much and um I've been talking, honey. Let's let's get into the show. We're gonna go through donations and then get to the meat. All you need is a little juju. So a little juju podcast is written, hosted, edited, and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love and healing, but labor nonetheless, because podcasting ain't free. It takes time, resources, money, and energy to produce this show for you uh, bi-weekly, which is why donations are so important. There are a few ways to donate to the show, both monetarily and non-monetarily. So the first way I'll mention is monetarily, and you can do that through Patreon, which allows you to contribute to the show monthly. So on the first of the month, Patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate, ranging from $1 to really as many dollars as you like. And based on the level of donation is the level of content you'll receive from me via Patreon, including exclusive deals, discounts, videos, and even some of my eBooks. And if that's too committal for you, feel free to drop a coin in the Cash App or the Venmo at I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E. It's Jujubay. Or you can hit me up on the PayPal at thejujubay at gmail.com. And before I get into the non-monetary ways to donate, let me shout out this week's patrons. Yay! Okay, so big shout out to my patrons this week. I would like to shout out Christina Smith, Whitney Holiday. Candace, oh wait, I shouted Christine and Whitney out last episode, but guess y'all get a double one. <laughs> Candace, thank you for becoming a patron. Eleven fifty nine to midnight. Thank you, Amber Johnson, Tori Zoe, Nia Osborne. Thank you, Kira Coleman, for editing your pledge. Um, Lauren Mamatung Ephraim, thank you for becoming a patron. Uh, Jeteria, thank you for editing your pledge and still being a patron. Ibrahim, hey boo, thank you for becoming a patron. Marcella R, thank you. Lenita Dejean, 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 I feel like it's Dejean. <laughs> thank you, Lenita. Delectable22, thank you so much. Aria, thank you so much. Macabre. Macabre, thank you, Arya, for editing your pledge. Carly, thank you for pledging. Jonathan Long, Rakita Ajani, AK became a patron, thank you. Ariel, Zenithia Ship, thank you. Ashley Pension, Brooke Chalk, Ebony Brown, Ariana Drew, thank you for editing your pledge. Stacy, thank you for becoming a patron. Liz Garrett, thank you for editing your pledge. Soraya J. Metcalf, thank you for becoming a patron. Tish, Ashley Somerville, Krista, thank you for editing your pledge. Elise Coleman, Alyssa Gable, and that is all of our patrons. Thank you so, so, so much to y'all who are extending and sharing the energy of money 
and the energy of resources with me. It is greatly appreciated. I do not take the energy of money lightly. And thank you for helping me do this show. Thank you for helping me continue to do this show. Thank you for pouring into me as I hope that I pour into y'all. And as a side note to my patrons, I'm doing a book giveaway soon because I have a few I have a few doubles of some of my books around spirituality. So I will be y'all will see me on Patreon talking about how to be involved in the giveaway. But again, thank you all so, so much. And I'm sharing the energy of wealth, the energy of money, the energy of abundance with you as you continue to share it with me. May you be able to do, create, experience, have all it is that you need around your resources and around your finances um, and around your 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 coin, around your coin. So spe- speaking abundance over you as you have over me. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, of course, if you're not feeling the monetary donation, a way that you can donate to the show is to subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast five stars on Apple Music. You can tell people what a podcast is and then tell them about this one, a little juju podcast. Um, Put people on when you tag me on Instagram, when you tag me on Twitter, when you say, I love this podcast, it's about this thing, you should check it out. When you tell other folks in this community about the work, it gets the good juju gospel out. And that is a way that you help um, the algorithm really of the show. That's how our heart even knew who I was because y'all posting about it, clicking on the show, listening, you know, streams, all of that is very important. So that is another way that you can donate to me and pour into the show as well, just by, you know, a little big up of the show. So thank you all who, who do that. And I appreciate all of my, all of my listeners and all of the folks that pour into me in a variety of different ways. Thank you. Thank you for donating. All you need is a little juju. Okay. So in our first segment today, we are going to do heal yourself, which is the juju related tips and tricks to help ourselves heal, to heal spiritually, mentally, and sometimes physically too. I mean, they all connected anyway. So Today in Heal Yourself, um, I want to talk a little bit about something that I brought up on Twitter. Now, I get this question a lot in regards to trusting our intuition and how to better trust our intuition and I guess any like tools. And then I get a lot of questions also about spiritual baths, herbs, what kind of herbs to use to do certain workings and stuff like that. Now, y'all know... As I've said on the show before, or maybe you don't know, child, I don't really like to get too much into what herbs you should be using slash shouldn't be using or different workings. One, because they all depend. Two, how I do something may not be how your spirits want you to do something. Of course, there are general workings that can be figured out, but you know, I don't always wanna just give everything in the podcasts because some of this takes time it takes elders it takes books it takes talking to your spirits <laughs> it takes talking to your ancestors it takes talking to elders it takes talking to family like it's a whole thing um so i'm a little bit wary of that especially also because some of this stuff is like you know it's not it's not um you know this podcast can be accessed by anybody you know and and a bunch of different people listen to this podcast. It's not just people who practice hoodoo. It is not just black people. It is not just none of that. Okay. Not just spiritual people, none of that. So I'm just very careful around, you know, all the information that I share. 
So I think this heal yourself will be good for the folks who are asking me those questions around herbs and roots. And then also those people asking about how to tap into your intuition. Cause I, I thought of a little exercise for both. So spiritual hygiene, I talk about a lot, you know, in heal yourself one segment, I'm sure I did spiritual baths, how to take a spiritual bath and different herbs to use for spiritual baths. I don't particularly remember that episode though, but you can check out the show notes. So I think a lot in, uh, in divination, a lot of people's issue is really needing to better take care of their spiritual hygiene, taking cleansing baths, herbal baths, different types of workings and stuff to just clean. Like some of us are just, we just a little dirty, you know, just like you take a shower every day, you take a shower um, spiritually um, and energetically. So I posted this on Twitter and I felt like it was good to bring to the show. So I want y'all to go to the grocery store and go to the fresh herb where they sell fresh herbs and pick out three herbs for yourself intuitively. Three herbs for yourself intuitively. And even you can go in and while you're there or before you go to the grocery store, just say spirits, you know, my, my loving, honorable ancestors and spirits, guide me to the herbs intuitively that I need for my healing. Just say that or set that intention or whatever. You go to the grocery store or wherever you can go to a local, you can go to an herb shop, wherever. You can go to your garden, child. Or a garden. And just pick the first three that you feel called to. Don't overthink it. Don't do none of that. Don't be, oh, because that's when you start guessing, second guessing your intuition. You already set the intention. So just go and pick out three herbs. After you pick out those three herbs, you purchase them, take them home, and then look up what those herbs mean. So this is a way to study. This is a way to see how other people have used these herbs and then figure out how you can use the herbs, but also why you may have been led to them. So you might pick up three herbs that have to do with money. So maybe your people, your spirits are telling you, you should do a money working for yourself. You might pick up three herbs that are really good at opening roads and clearing and cleansing. So that's probably what you need. So after you get those three herbs, then decide, okay, let me go on and make a bath with these. Let me go and make a bath with these herbs. Now I, I picked up cilantro, basil, and and uh, mint. So what, what can I learn about cilantro, basil, and mint through my own research, through maybe some herb books, or just online? And then put them herbs, tear them up, Put them in a bath. Once you decide what that those roots are going to be used for, those herbs are going to be used for, tear them up, put them in a bucket of water and bathe with them and bathe with them. You don't have to sit, you don't have to draw a bath and put the herbs directly in the bath unless you want to. I prefer to put those fresh herbs in a bowl or a pot of some sort and I take that bowl with me into the bathroom. And after I take a regular, a regular shower, I put my hand in that water or I take a washcloth and I wash myself. I rub my body down with those herbs and with that water, with that mixture while praying over myself. So if I got three herbs that are good for cleansing, after I take my regular shower, I'll take that bath in the 
with that mixture in the bowl in the shower with me and I pour it over my body and I rub it in or I pick it up with my hands or a washcloth and I rub it in and I'm just washing my body with the herbs. I'm washing my body with the mixture because that mixture is now infused. That water is infused with the energy of that plant. Plant is medicine in all of these traditions. I don't care what African traditional spiritual practice. Plant Plants are medicine. Plants know more than us. Plants are smarter than us. And then that's it. Now you've taken a spiritual bath. I recommend doing that for at least three days. So don't use all of the water. If you put it in a big bowl, you know, or a big pot, you prayed over it. You put your herbs in there, boom, boom, boom. You let it sit. Um, And then you will kind of pour it out of the bigger bowl into a smaller bowl so that you have enough to last you for three days. I would do that for three days. And then just take note of how you feel after the bath. Try it out. It came to me one day uh, to offer y'all to see how it works. And so I'm just putting it here because I said it on Twitter. And that will be a really good way for you all to channel your intuition. Trust your intuition. Do some research around the meanings. And then you also get to learn like now you know three more herbs. Or you get more information about three more herbs. And you know how to take a spiritual bath for yourself. So again, you don't have to draw a bath that you're sitting in. You don't necessarily have to do that. The spiritual baths I take are typically ones that are dumped over my body. Or I'm scooping up the herbs and the water in my hands or with a cloth and just rubbing myself down while praying over me. I'm praying over myself. So if it's there, it's a cleansing bath. I'm praying for my cleansings. I'm praying that anything that doesn't need to be on me, anything that's keeping me spiritually dirty, I'm imagining it just all going down the drain and washing off from my body. And that's it. That's it. I want y'all to do that. That's the homework. That's the heal yourself homework. Go and intuitively heal yourself. Let your spirit tell you what it is that you need from those plants. And then take a bath with them. And if your spirit tell you you need more than three, then go and get more than three, I guess. But just keep it simple. You know, do three. And, you know, be be in control of your spiritual healing. Okay? So that's Heal Yourself for today. Let me know how it goes. Uh, let me know how, how it goes if you decide to do it. Tweet me. Tweet me. All right, y'all. All you need is a little juju. Okay, so our next segment is Juju for the Culture. And traditionally, usually I will talk about, you know, celebrity and pop culture information and sort of looking at it from a Juju or a spiritual lens or talking about celebrities from from a spiritual standpoint. But today, um, culturally, I want to do something different with Juju for the Culture. And really what I want to do is kind of ground us in this idea, things that I always say that, you know, hoodoo, uh, which is one of the traditions that I practice, a traditionally black American spiritual spiritual form of working the roots and also working with spirits. So hoodoo um, is us, you know, especially if you are listening to this and you are black American, even if you don't feel like your grandmother practice hoodoo or anyone in your family practice hoodoo, it's not necessarily about, oh, we're about to do some hoodoo right now, but it's just the little things that were said often when we're growing up or things that we knew not to do or to do that are kind of based in hoodoo and hoodoo itself being based in uh, different African traditional 
practices, religions, reasonings. So really not being, you know, hoodoo, hoodoo reminds us that black folks, uh, specifically um, in the States and also deeply in the South, are not so far connected from the old ways, I guess, of what we used to do on the continent. They've just been morphed and changed and, and upgraded and fit to match this particular grid that we're on after enslavement specifically. So I wanted to go through some old wives tales, quote unquote. And I find that that's what a lot of folks call them. Actually, when I was talking to my dad about some of my beliefs and things that I, I study and look into, he was like, oh yeah, I do that. But I thought that was just an old wives tale. But I'm like, regardless of what you want to call it, you still do it. So it clearly holds some type of significance for you for whatever reason, there are some habits and rituals and tradition that a lot of people continue to do to this day that they don't know why. And my answer to that is, it's because hoodoo is just all up in you. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about what some of those traditions. So let's talk about a few. Okay, so I thought it would be fun to start off with some music. Now I can't play music on the podcast, even though I did one time on old episodes. But um, I don't want to get sued by Stevie Wonder. So let's just sing. There is superstition. Writings on the wall. There is superstition. Let us bow to fall. Okay, I don't have to sing the whole song. Then he says, seven years of bad luck, the good things in the past. When you believe in things that you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition ain't the way. That's so interesting because I think Stevie Wonder is a whole conjure man, but that is another episode. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things he was referencing in this song, Superstition by Stevie Wonder. So one of the first things he says is ladders about to fall. Very superstitious writings on the wall, very superstitious ladders about to fall. Now, I know that I heard growing up that you're not supposed to walk under a ladder. Granted, that's probably not the safest choice. <laughs> but from a, I, I heard it from a superstitious standpoint. Or as an old wives tale. I didn't know why. Today I did a little bit of research. And what I was seeing around why you're not supposed to walk under ladders for spiritual reasons is one. Um, in Christianity, understanding the trinity of God the Father, God the Son being Jesus and the Holy Spirit being three. Three being a sacred number. And old ladders was just like a straight up and down kind of, you know, wooden ladder. And you would you would prop it against uh, the wall or outside. And so you have the ladder, that's one edge. You have the edge of the wall or whatever you're propping it against. And then you have the floor. So that's three, it's a triangle. So triangles being sacred. So walking under the ladder, you're breaking the Trinity. So that is obviously bad luck. Another reason for that, I saw was, I'm not pausing it. These planes, child, I think something happened outside is the helicopters. We already understand that I live in Baltimore City, okay. So the other reasoning being something going back to ancient Egypt. And again, you know, the shapes of the, the pyramids, you know, being three, 
that being sacred. But if you put a ladder against uh, a wall or wherever you're propping it up against, you might see a, a God walking up or down the ladder. You're not supposed to see the gods. So that's why you don't want to walk under the ladder because you might look up and see something you ain't supposed to see. <laughs> and I thought that that was very interesting. I thought that was very interesting too. Lastly, um, another reasoning that I picked up on or, or through my research I saw was ladders being used before folks were hung. Like they had to walk up a ladder to reach the noose that their neck would go through. And so you don't want to walk, you know, under a ladder or really be around or on a ladder unless you need to, unless you're fixing something, because it was almost like a part of, in a way, like a, a death ritual or understanding that death was near or close. So that's why I saw a few, and you know, it's hard to pinpoint why or how, or maybe it's all of these a little bit, but that was something that I, I grew up with. So I, I wanted to look into that. Now, the next thing is superstition. He says, 13-month-old baby. And I really just wanted to break down this 13 because I think 13 is something that is, uh, at least in the West, I've noticed is just understood as a bad luck number. We have Friday the 13th. You know, 13 is just bad. And I was like, why is 13? What's up with 13? Where did that come from potentially? So again, in good old hoodoo fashion, you know, we're going to take it back to, <laughs> take it back to the Bible. Um, Judas is the one who betrayed Jesus. Judas is the one that, mm, child, my Sunday school teacher's going to get me. I'm like, what did he do? He betrayed Jesus and basically he paid Yes, he was the one that they paid off to snitch on Jesus, what he was doing, where he was going to be at so he could be killed. He is responsible, more or less, for the death of Jesus. People don't like Judas. Judas is an app. You know, Judas played that he was cool with Jesus, and then he snitched on him, and then Jesus was crucified. But Judas, at the Last Supper, where they all the disciples were eating, and Jesus said, one of y'all niggas going to betray my ass. And all I was like, ah. Nah, Jesus, why the, you know, but Judas was the last person to sit down at that table. Judas was the 13th person to sit at the table with Jesus and the disciples and the apostles at the last supper. So, you know, we don't want to be like Judas. We're not snitches. We're not ops. <laughs> so 13 is bad. Hence 13 month old baby, the number 13, all of that being, having a negative connotation. Now, 13 month old baby, the next thing Mr. Stevie says was broke the looking glass. So what is a looking glass? A mirror. A mirror, you know, breaking a mirror has always been bad luck. At least I grew up with that. You break a mirror, seven years, bad luck. Why? Now, this is my reasoning. And when I did some small research on the mirror, it kind of relates. So mirrors are not just used to look at ourselves physically. Um, they are also can be used or represent this idea of looking at ourselves deeper, looking at our souls, looking at our spirits. You know, they, they say, you know, my old therapist who was a priest of Oshun, she used to talk about Oshun carries a mirror with her because she likes to gaze at herself. She likes to 
see how gorgeous and beautiful she is. She loves a look. She loves an aesthetic. But it's not just Oshun having a mirror doesn't just represent her being so pretty and wanting to look at herself, but also looking deeper into herself, like who she is, you know, how she is moving and flowing in the world, how she's showing up in the world. Um, so like that mirror also reminds us to look beyond like what is in front of us and to look deeper into ourselves. And so if someone breaks a mirror, you know, of course, maybe that could be like, oh, you ugly, <laughs> but also like your soul might not be good. You know, your spirit might not be good. So mirrors breaking show you that something might be on you. Something might be wrong with you. Something may, something may right with your spirit. Thus, you're going to have bad luck. I don't know why it's for seven years. I, I don't know that. Also, mirrors are used in different practices in hoodoo specifically to... Mirrors are portals. Mirrors are used as portals. Mirrors are used to reflect or deflect bad energy from us. Um, in di there's different workings, child. Different work is from hexes to, to protection, to so whatever that we use mirrors for. And so a mirror, if you're looking in the mirror and it's breaking, that means something ain't, something ain't right. Something ain't right. Something ain't right now. I don't know why seven years, like I said, but yes, breaking a mirror is bad luck because it shows something wrong with your spirit. Okay. So to transition a little bit from superstitious, the song, cause I, I did want to pull those out and then also just kind of show how we all just, it's, it's in the music. It's just everywhere. Um, some things that I grew up with. Okay, so on New Year's Day, my dad used to, after my grandfather passed, he used to go to my grandmother, his mom's house, and be the first man to walk through the door. And that was always the case. When I was younger, he'd be like, all right, we got to go over grandmommy's house because I got to be the first one to walk in the door. And I was like, why? Because he's like, because a man with money in his pocket got to be the first one to walk through your door on New Year's. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So we'd go over my grandmother's house. He would walk through the door first and then I would go behind him. And then that was just the thing. We would say, hey, to my grandma, do whatever. Then we would go back where we was going. You know, we'd go back to do what we was doing. I don't know where that came from. I don't know why. I mean, I, you know, logically I feel like Hmm. Maybe sort of like this opening up the new year with like some masculine energy around like going forth and like d making sure that this year is like a good year. It's like an active energy because like the divine masculinity is, is very active. So like there's this active sort of energy especially around success and finances and wealth and money because he got to come in with money in his pocket that we're kind of just creating that we're setting the stage for what type of year we're going to have it's going to be an active year there's going to be a year where money is flowing it's going to be a year where um there's energy probably of protection you know in that masculinity that's why they probably said it was to be a man um you know, those are just my guesses. That's just, those are my assumptions. Mm. Yeah, it feels very protective, safety, and also financial abundance. It feels like it has something to do with that. But I just know that that's something I grew up with. Black Eyed Peas on New Year's, on New Year's, um, collard greens on New Year's, Black Eyed Peas being success, good luck, collard greens being wealth, being money, 
being prosperity, those things together, you got yourself a good year, honey. <laughs> so again, these traditional foods that we use being these quote unquote old wives tales or just things that we do that we don't always know why we do, but we still do. Um, spilling salt. And if you spill salt, you got to throw some over your shoulder on the left side. That's another one we had. Now, I had no whistling in the house. That's my grandmother used to tell me this. I I feel like, yes, some of it was from a patriarchal standpoint of women don't whistle. I also think that there was a spiritual, I think there may have been something in the Bible that says something about women whistling. But I'm curious, you know, again, I don't know why we did these things. We just did them. So I was not allowed. To, I used to get in trouble, not big trouble, but I used to get in trouble when I whistled in the house or really in general, but especially in the house. Oh, spirit just told me it's calling spirits. When you whistle, that's calling spirits. That's calling spirits. And me being a little girl, I guess I couldn't call spirits or I didn't know what I was doing or it was dangerous. I feel like it was rooted in that. Now, of course, a little boy whistling or a little child whistling, what do it matter? Like if... Shouldn't nobody probably be calling spirits, but I think it was like this extra like protection over me being a small girl and calling on spirits and probably, you know, patriarchy saying that I can't whistle. That's a man thing. But also like you, you're, you're doing something that you actually don't know. You calling on some spirits in this house and we don't want no spirits in this house. Cause it was, the energy was mostly in the house. It was about being in the house and whistling. Cause my grandfather, my grandfather used to whistle down in the house, but I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, what else? Black cats, of course. Being another old wives tale, you know, black cats bringing bad luck. Now, I think this one is interesting because, first of all, if we look to ancient Egypt, cats were highly regarded, <laughs> highly loved, worshipped, almost deified. And understood as very spiritual beings and I see cats today I see all cats as spiritual beings most of the time I feel like cats are somebody's familiar somebody's ancestor some type of spirit guide like cats are divine period I think cats are very very divine in a very specific way and and also in like a obvious way um so of course I think blackness gets associated with negativity consistently <laughs> like through many traditions and black cats being quote-unquote evil is not just something that originated in Europe or wherever I mean it, it may have um, I saw some things about Ireland but I think it, it may have originated with that and this idea and this association that we have with darkness being negative so then black cats then bringing negativity b black cats representing death Black cats representing mis misfortune. But I feel like that has changed a little bit. I mean, I've heard that here and saying things about black cats. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, when we think about the Crossroads man who, you know, I have an episode about the Crossroads man who is a a, a, a figure in, in hoodoo, a deity in hoodoo who lives at the crossroads. He shows up as... He can show up as a variety of different things. One of those things being black animals. One of those things being a black cat or a black dog. 
So as we may or may not know, the crossroads man has been associated with the devil. Um, you know, going to the devil, selling your soul to the devil, how you would go about doing that quote unquote would be going to the crossroads to do that. In exchange, you sell your soul for money, you sell your soul for gifts, you sell your soul for talents, whatever. Um, and so he could show up as a black cat. And since we have traditionally associated the crossroads man with the devil or that's kind of been conflated because of you know marketeers meaning the people that sort of stole hoodoo from our ancestors and try to steal it back to us the things that they didn't always understand they demonized we know that and then thus we black people have demonized our own practices because of these things um hence why we have to decolonize our spirituality so I feel like also that could be why there's this negative connotation with the black cat because of Crossroads Man, because of this demonization of the color black and and even this demonization of darkness, quote unquote, dark magic. Um, darkness being negative. So of course, some, a, a negative, a darker animal would be negative, specifically a cat, which has a lot of historical... Um, well, just with historically cats being associated with witches or being witches or witches have cats. <laughs> and I think that's something still like Halloween, a witch with a cat, black cats pop up with the witches. Like, so there's all these things that I think contribute to why folks are like, don't be, be careful. Black cat walk by you. Now you, you know, you got bad luck or you about to die. <laughs> um, You're not supposed to throw your hair away. Now, I didn't particularly grow up with this one. My mom says she heard people saying this though when she was growing up, but that was never anything that my grandmother, she never said it to me if she was doing my hair. I don't know what she was doing with my hair, but that's not one I experienced even though I heard it. So, you know, you're not supposed to throw your hair out. You're supposed to um, burn it. Now, because they would say if, a bird got your hair or somebody got your hair. Of course, you know, hair is a personal concern, meaning that's something, that's somebody's DNA. You can work somebody's DNA in hoodoo. You can manipulate somebody through their DNA in hoodoo. So you don't want nobody to get your hair because they juju you. You know, you don't want nobody to juju you with your hair. Also, if a bird got your hair and made a nest with it, it would, I think the thing is that it would, it would, you would get headaches or it would potentially drive you quote unquote crazy it would cause mental health issues. If somebody, if a bird put there, put, was plucking at your hair and put it to create a nest, that would be an issue. So again, something else, old wives tales, quote unquote. We also have, um, not sweeping over somebody's foot. If you put a broom on somebody's foot, you sweep somebody's foot, you got spit on it to basically break the curse because you you cursing them. First of all, that's just rude. Like, <laughs> don't sweep over nobody's foot. But you just don't want to have the broom and sweep it over a foot because that is, that is, that's just a no-no. That's bad luck. So you got to spit on the broom. What else? I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, I've heard this one more recently. But I didn't grow up with this one. Getting a new broom when you move, like if you move to a new home or a new place, you ha you can't bring the old broom that you had. You had to 
bring a new broom because then you would be bringing in like the old problems and the old stuff from the old house and you want a new broom to sweep out basically that's clean that can sweep out maybe some of the energies of the new home that you're moving into or the new place that you're moving into so yeah you don't want to bring in old energy it's an energy thing you don't want to transfer old energy into a new space last one that i've heard pretty common though i did not grow up with this one personally was not killing spiders um killing a spider brings bad luck but we was killing spiders in my house child <laughs> i don't kill spiders anymore though I, I don't i do not kill spiders anymore because yes spiders are sacred at least to many African people. If we think about the stories of Anansi, the, the quote unquote trickster energy and spirit, you know, spiders are spirits. I think similarly as, I mean, everything is a spirit, right? But I'm um, in the same ways that cats sort of are associated with this being like a spiritual entity, not killing spiders is that same thing. So you wouldn't want to kill. Yeah. You wouldn't kill Anansi. I know that's that one's hard for a certain people because they'd be like, um, I do not mess with spiders, so sorry, Nazi, but I don't I I pick a Nazi up and take him outside. But I don't I don't kill spiders. I don't. Um and yeah, that's all the ones that I wanted to share today. Um I would be I would love to hear if you had any other ones that I didn't name or ones that you grew up with too. Tweet them to me, Instagram me. I mean, I, sometimes it's hard for me to get through my Instagram and maybe I'll make a post about it because I think this is so interesting it's so rich and even just doing the research as to maybe asking the questions why or just having our spirits tell us why because I asked my grandma about a few a few of these and she was like I don't know that's just what my mama told me and that's just what her mama told her she ain't know she did not know <laughs> she was like I do not know but then she was like but at the end of the day if you just keep Jesus and God first you're gonna be blessed don't even worry about that stuff just keep Jesus first. I'm like, okay, man, but you do keep Jesus first, but you still do all these other things. So it clearly is not just about Jesus. <laughs> clearly it's about these other things too that you have also incorporated Jesus into. But yes, that is the juju for the culture. I hope you all enjoyed that. And I do want to get into our main topic, but the episode is like going by so quickly so I think this this main topic is going to be one that's sort of continuous because I think I think it's important and I do want to touch on it today. So let's just get into this concept and this this conversation around divine masculine and divine feminine and what that is. All you need is a little juju. Okay, and for our last segment today, I want to talk a little bit about divine masculinity and divine femininity I think it is a word those are words that get thrown around so damn much <laughs> um in these spiritual streets and what I also notice is that people use these terms to basically refer to man woman and it ain't that it's not about man woman and divine femininity and masculinity is not a way to spiritually hide behind um, existing within the gender binary. And what I mean by that is, you know, the, the understanding that gender is man and gender is woman. And then that's it. And men do this and women do that. First of all, what you need to know, or at least the framework that I'm coming from is that's not true. That's not true. 
that's not true. <laughs> like, that's not true. So, I mean, we can see that that is not true if you do any sort of research, um, obviously looking around you and understanding that people identify beyond those two genders, but also if you just do any basic research around gender, around sexuality, um, and understanding, we see it in ancient Africa that there are, there's a variety and a spectrum of how we can understand how people identify, how people show up, what people feel, uh, how people feel at home in their bodies. There's so many different ways to feel at home in your body. And so we see examples of that in multiple traditions and multiple spiritual practices, African traditional spiritual practices, uh, including Yoruba and including traditions of the Congo, including um, of the Dagara people in Ghana. We, we see that. So that is why I have a problem with people using divine masculinity and divine femininity as a way to talk about man do this, woman do that. Because then we just start to go around in this very westernized understanding of gender and gender politics and, you know, all of that. So I just wanted to give my viewpoint on how I understand divine masculinity and femininity. And also, you know, I talked to my spirits about it too, because I was curious at and how they how they understood it as well. And I just wanted to share sort of what we came up with. It's just a, it's not an exhaustive list. You know, it depends on who you ask, how they describe it. There's no like, originally it meant this one thing. But I think it, it is a lot of a, it's more of a looser term than we've allowed it to be because of our own, you know, understandings, because of our own colonizing because many of us live in the West and the West loves binaries um, in a particular way. Africans love binaries too, but in this particular way, that's negative. So whatever. So um, let's talk about divine masculinity first, because this is the one where I actually felt like I don't always know what divine masculinity even looks like. I don't have a lot of examples of divine masculinity. Why? Because we live in a society that is patriarchal. We live in a society that does not embrace, it embraces masculinity, yes, but it embraces masculinity that shows up often very toxic, toxic to those who are performing the masculinity and then toxic to those who are on the receiving end of that toxic masculinity. So it's really not helpful. It's, it's, it's out of balance. You know, we live in a toxic masculine society, at least where I live. I live in the West. I live in the United States. And that is my understanding of masculinity. So it's really, really actually hard for me to understand what does, what does divine masculinity even look like? And that was very, very, it made me feel a way. It made me feel a way. Um, and before I get into that, I want to say and just reiterate again that we all carry divine masculinity. I don't care what your gender is, what you're listening to this. If you're listening to this and you are a person and you are alive, you carry divine masculine energy. I don't care what your gender is, who you are, what you look like, what you dress like. You all, we all carry divine feminine energy. It exists in all of us in, and, and, and it's, 
our responsibility to find our own harmony within the divinity of both of those uh, experiences and ways that we show up. So I want to hold that too, because many of us, I think if you identify as a man, you know, and they, you know, we all know that like people say men are masculine, women are feminine. You know, I'm I'm doing air quotes. Y'all can't see me. And then it takes away actually from the fluidity of how we all actually show up in both of these things. So let's talk about these things. So divine masculinity, how I understand it is it's active. And I also want to challenge us before we get into this to not gender this. So don't even think about an individual. Think of this as just an energy. It's a genderless energy. Okay. It is active. It is pursuing. It is giving. It is protective. Now, divine feminine is very protective as well. But when I think about masculine protection, it feels more, um, it feels more defensive to me, to me. Divine masculinity provides safety. Divine masculinity is speaking up when it's necessary. So it's talking, it's it's projecting, it's sort of creating your space, it's standing firm in who you are and speaking that out when necessary, when it's supposed to be said. You know, <laughs> let me add that in. Um, it is supportive. It is supportive. It supports family, it supports community, you know, protects community, family, etc. It is very, let me help you. It is, let me help you. Or can I help you? What can I do? Divine masculinity is very logical. It's logic. It is, um, oh shoot, is it left brain or right brain? That's more of the, oh shoot, I gotta look this up. Okay, no, so it's left brain. So divine masculine, if you, if you've heard of like left brain, right brain, left brain is sort of like the logical, um, sort of numbers, structure order is, is left brain. And then, you know, right brain is, is the intuitive emotion, which we would get into with divine femininity. So that might be kind of, you know, that's not the best example, but that's just one of the words that came to me when I was at my altar thinking about this. Um, divine masculinity is also bravery. You know, it's, I think I started off with saying that it's active. It, it advances society. It advances community. So technological advances, again, you know, that left brain energy. Um, staying ahead of the game. Again, sort of actively pursuing what can happen, trying to think of what can happen, the logic. Um, divine masculinity, I thought about High John the Conqueror, um, just being who is a, another deity or spirit, elevated ancestor in the hoodoo tradition. And High John took a lot of risks. He 
I don't know if he was fearful. I'm sure he was, but he still moved through his fear. So that's still act, being active, that moving even through being afraid to, to protect community, to protect other enslaved folks. Um, and he was very, uh, he was slick, you know, he, he, he tricked some of the most dangerous people to our people, which was slave masters, which was white folks. He didn't care. He still moved in bravery, even in uh, engaging with them. And this energy of like continuing his legacy and being active in the continuation of his legacy. What I mean by that is, as you know, we may or may not know, Hi John, our elevated ancestor who protected many of our ancestors through a variety of different ways and was able to outsmart many slave masters. He left his essence in a root. He left his spirit in a root for us as black folks to be able to go back to, to have that root and be able to tap into that powerful energy. You know, that is, so that kind of, like I said, this, this continuing of, le of legacy of, you know, continuing on the protection, making sure that the people is straight. That's divine masculinity. He did that through literally putting his energy into a root for us to use that we still use to this day. I also thought about, um, I had to think about deities because it's hard to think of someone who embraces, like, I don't think I know someone who I'm like, <sighs> that's not true. I do know people who, I do know people who embrace divine masculinity, but to really conceptualize it, um, I, I had to look to deity to do that. So I thought about, you know, Shango, how does Shango, who was a, who was a, a an Orisha in the Yoruba tradition, how does Ogun, how does he, Ogun embrace divine masculinity? And, you know, a lot of these characteristics that I picked up on around the bravery, and, um, you know, resolving conflicts or this active works. I, 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 I look to the Orisha, I look to the Orisha and these particular spirits being very protective. I mean, Shango is, is definitely <laughs> protective. Um, but he's like the God of, of, of the spirit. I'm sorry, not the God, but like of lightning. And which is a very active part of nature. <laughs> you know, he carries the spirits of drums and drumming and dance. Again, movement, activity. Um, he was very charismatic. You know, he was, he was a ladies man. He was a ladies man. So this alluring in a very pursuing way, but one that was respected by the people he was trying to pursue you know, for the most part, <laughs> divine masculinity. I think this is important to share here because I want to share this Pataki, which is a sacred story about Shango, about how he was born. And this is, this is one of the, the stories of, of how he was born. So as the story goes, Obatala, the king of the white cloth, was traveling and had to cross a river. Aganju, the ferryman and under God of fire, refused him passage. So Aganju was like, no, about to lie. You're not coming through, boo. Sorry, you ain't coming through, bruh. 
So Obatala was like, all right, bet. So Obatala left and turned himself into a beautiful woman. Obatala said, oh, you're not going to let me through as a nigga? All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to be a fine-ass woman. I'm going to make myself fine as hell. So Obatala came back as a woman now. And woman Obatala and Aganju fucked. They had sex. <laughs> Aganju was like, who is this bad bitch? Shorty, you can pass the river. You can pass something else, honey. And they 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 got together. They had sex. And Shango was born. Shango was the result of that union. Um... And there's more to the story, but that's just one of the, one, one Pataki. And I felt like that was important for me to name because I don't want to get too much because I think this is a larger episode around, um, gender, around sex, around sexuality. I think it's a full episode, but like one of our deities that represents like masculine, 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 masculine in the Yoruba tradition, Shango in this story was actually created from a man, Obatala, or a male deity that transformed himself into a female woman and then had sex with that man. And then Shango was born from that union. You know, like, what is gender? You know, what? Why? You know, like, Everything is not super cut and dry, which I think is my point. You know, we can't, there's no space to really exist, <laughs> you know, in these binaries that we've created for, well, not that we've created for ourselves, but that many of us have accepted for ourselves that are not of our ancestors and of our people. And there's examples of that through ancient stories, at least in this tradition, at least in the, at least in the Yoruba tradition. And I'm sure there's, there's many others. There's many, many others. So with that, let's transition into divine femininity. So the concept of divine femininity, you know, in contrast I don't even want to say contrast because they work together, but I guess in tandem with divine masculinity, as we understood as being, you know, active and, and sort of like the giving, the putting out. Divine femininity to me is more of the receiving. It's the reception of that energy that, that gets put, that gets put out. It is the nurture. You know, it is the compassion it's intuitive. It's the right brain. It is creativity. So it's about birthing. Of course, we think of, you know, divine femininity and many, you know, deity, female deities. But even beyond procreation it, of children, so sustaining legacy it's also about what we birth what we bring into the world we all have divine feminine so we all birth things you know whether it's kids whether it's an idea whether it's a business whether it's a whatever we all can create we all create so it's the energy of creativity divine femininity is our sensitivity 
It's us being sensitive to what is happening around us and being in tune with what is happening around us, especially, you know, in nature. Um, it is protective, of course. It, 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 I think just examples of seeing um, certain animals with their cubs and how quick, how quick uh, uh, the mother cubs specifically will chop your head off or sink their teeth, their claws into you if you mess with one of theirs, what's theirs. So divine femininity is very protective. Definitely very sensual, very, you know, being in your body, experiencing your body, listening to what your body needs. So if you are tired resting, if you are hungry eating, you know, I think about that actually as being divine feminine energy. That's being in tune. That's, that's the intuition and being intuitive with yourself. Um, you know, I think with divine feminine, we have certain deities that we think about automatically. I think in this particular tradition, I mean, of course, I think people think about like Venus and like Aphrodite and maybe Lilith around femininity. But of course, we keeping it at least with what I practice and what I know, the Yoruba tradition, people automatically go to Oshun. Oshun is like the sort of Orisha that I think encapsulates a lot of what divine femininity is because it is not all sweet and sugar and honey and kisses and sunflowers and being beautiful. You know, Oshun also flooded the earth and will destroy crops and she will take all of the water and she will kill everyone. <laughs> and everyone will die. She will cause massive droughts. If she's upset, you know, that is the energy of divine femininity and masculinity, which also, I th I'm, I'm sorry, divine femininity. And it's also with that, I think important for me to say, which I haven't said, which is none of these things are, the divinity of these particular categories are not about things being super good or bad. I mean, because there really is no quote unquote good or bad. Things just are what they are. And so divine femininity sort of is like, yes, it can be destructive when things are not in harmony. But when things are in harmony, shit is good. The same way with divine masculinity it can be destructive when things are not in harmony but when things are in harmony it can be uh it can be productive productive i guess is the word i want to use it can be productive um and it's just unfortunate that we often don't even know how to embrace these aspects of ourselves or embrace the divine femininity within ourselves or to embrace the divine masculinity within ourselves because God, it's so many police calls today. Um, because we don't really have examples. Well, we have a lot of examples, but we don't get to see it. It's not mirrored. We don't live in a society, number one, that respects divine femininity or femininity really at all, which is why, I mean, 
That's why the earth is being destroyed. That is why when people who literally show up as feminine beings are taken advantage of, harmed, in what a, in a variety of different ways, killed, murdered, sexually violated, you know that happens a lot of times when people are showing up in their in femininity regardless of gender. So there's actually a lot of degradation of feminine in general, which is one of my whole little side beliefs is that because we 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 do that so much with divine femininity that's why the world is trash um and then also people not knowing how to embrace and understand their masculinity all genders all genders we have toxic masculinity which many um cis men have yeah cis men i'll say uh there's more examples of that and how to show up in that to where there's so much disrespect, so much abuse, so much abuse of self, so much, um, oh God, it's just terrible because it's too much toxic masculine energy and not enough divine masculine energy. And then also not enough embracing of the femininity, the divine femininity that we all carry, that we all carry that we all care we all need to know how to be compassionate we all need to be in tune with our bodies we all need to be somewhat intuitive to what's happening we all need to care for the earth and we all need to be protective we all need to be speaking up when it's necessary we all need to be logical we can't always exist in our emotions and we can't always exist in logic that's the harmony that we need to find you know, we all, we all have to actively pursue sometimes. And sometimes we have to be on the receiving end. So, you know, I think, I don't want this episode to be super long, but I would love to continue this conversation on another episode or just wherever, because I, I just, there's just so much I think to say and uncover and learn about these these categories and I think once we do that and we look to our ancestors and what they thought what they were doing how they use them then we can start to incorporate that into now and start and stop relying on westernized European understandings of how we are supposed to show up in the world because they done told us how we supposed to show up in the world and that's been real toxic we've been doing that The, 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 the DNA test show that that's a lie. So we have to start doing something else if we want to get free, if we want to be well. Okay. So I would love to continue that conversation, but I'm gonna close the book now. And, um, thank y'all for tuning in for another episode of a little juju podcast. Of course. If you would like to reach out to me, if you would like to book me for some type of media event, speakers event, uh, if you just want to say what's up, you can hit me up on my, well, to book me for things like that, you should go to my website, it's jujubay.com. There you can also get signed up with Patreon and um, all of my other offerings that I have. And if you want to hit me up on social media for more casual conversation, uh, you can find me at it's Jujube, I-T-S-J-J-U-B-A-E on Instagram as well as Twitter. On Twitter, I am not just talking about spiritual stuff. I'm also talking about me being a hoe and other things. <laughs> um, oh, also a little Juju podcast 
is is the podcast page on Instagram. And I think that's it. I appreciate y'all. Thank you all so much for tuning into another episode and um, sending a lot of love to the Bryant family um, during the, the tragic loss of Gianna and Kobe. I know this is a complicated time for, for a lot of people for a lot of reasons around this death. So I'm just sending some gentleness to everyone who feels who feels affected by this for whatever reason that you feel affected. Um, we can hold space for we can hold space for for all of it at the same time. Okay. Have a good one, peace and blessings. And remember, all you need is a little juju. Later.